0: That's the Holy Rosary. That's the Catholic faith. The whole Catholic faith is in it.
1: I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade, your Rosary on the Road, back on the road for this week. And uh, <laughs> despite all of my planning, I'm recording this on the day that I'm going to release it. I really didn't want to do that. Uh, hopefully I can get myself back into a place where I'm not doing it anymore. But uh, uh, here we are. Uh, today we're going to pray uh, for... Uh, I guess I'll just jump right into it. I don't have much of an introduction. I, today we're going to pray for a, an attention we received uh, for Gregory who is struggling with inheritance problems. You know, it's one of those things where the the worldlings pop up out of their holes whenever there's material goods going around, and uh, Gregory has inherited some things. Uh, he's in possession of his parents' estate, and uh, he is disposing of it according to his will because that's that was the will left to him, and he's got some... Uh, I get the sense that they might be litigious, but they may not be. In whatever case they may be, he's got some uh, relatives he hasn't seen in a while circling around uh, the way that one sees birds circling a corpse, and uh, it's causing him quite a lot of stress and quite a lot of tribulation. And so I want to pray for to help him through this trial and this difficulty, uh, and uh, that it not Disrupt or make more difficult the bereavement that he would naturally be going. Oh, he would naturally be going through uh, at the loss of his parents. So we're going to pray for Gregory today. And if you have a prayer intention, I have an announcement regarding that. We have a prayer intention chat that is now public on Telegram. It's attached to the channel itself. Uh, I will make a comment. I'll post a comment uh, with the heading Oremus. Uh, every Sunday, you'll see that I'm going to try to schedule it so that it goes out after noon hour mass. Uh, so the last mass, of the noon hour is generally the last mass of the day. Uh, so at about one p.m. Uh, or two p.m. every Sunday, I'll post that, and that will run for the week. Now I've already got a, I've already got so many prayer intentions that I'm booked up for the next two weeks with uh, with prayer intentions, which is absolutely wonderful. I'm just thrilled to pieces about it Uh, but that does mean that inevitably there will be a a queue that forms and uh, I'll make sure that everybody gets prayed for and if I see the intention and there's urgency to it say someone is actively dying then of course that you'll go right to the front of the line you're the next one no matter who I've planned for and Fridays I'd like to keep clear for just requiem prayers anyone who has passed away who is dying who uh, has died either recently or even a long time ago. If you have a relative who you think could use the prayers on the other side of the veil, uh, then by all means, go ahead, write them in, and then I'll add them to the Friday queue where, so we can say the requiem for them. I'm trying to think if there's any, oh yes, of course, the other ways to get in touch with me. Uh, if you have any other, any prayer requests and you're not on Telegram you can continue to write in to daily decade requests at proton.me that's pro, or protonmail.com still works but Proton.m for michael e for elizabeth and, and that's the that's the, the email address daily decade requests d e c a d e requests in the plural there we go that's my little that's the, that's the bit you can also reach out on Gab, we are on Gab, um, and uh, you can also reach out on Post, that is the instance of the Fediverse, or if you are on the Fediverse, anywhere on the Fediverse, you can reach out to Post, it's at the Daily Decade. everything's standardized, Telegram, Gab, Post, at the Daily Decade, uh, and that will get you in touch with me. And then I can say, uh, say prayers for you or answer questions or receive comments, any, any criticism that you might have, really anything, it's, it's all open and I, am, and I am very open to whatever it is that you have to say. Now today we're going to reflect on the second joyful mystery which is the visitation with Elizabeth and uh, think a little bit about what that means for us. Of course, on Wednesday will be the second Sorrowful, and then Friday will be the... Or, excuse me, the second Glorious, and then Friday will be the second Sorrowful. And we'll go through it continually, continuously until we've got all five mysteries. And then we'll start over again with some new reflections, and hopefully they'll they'll all be edifying. <laughs> I pray that the Holy Ghost continues to help me out along that, because it's something that we must remember. If we have said, thought, or done, something that is good in the sight of the lord we have become his instrument and should give glory to him if we have done something wicked or evil or negligent in the sight of the lord that comes from us and that's how a christian should think there's there's a wonderful there's there's a couple of of monks Uh, that, in and this is in the Eastern tradition, this is particularly popular, but I have run into it in the Western tradition as well, that it is a good penitential practice for a monastic to imagine that he alone is damned and all the rest of the world is saved. Now, that's not because they believe in universal salvation or anything like that, but rather it's the practice that they engage in to excite feelings of humility and penitence within themselves to seek out all the hidden faults that God, whose eyes are, we hear, we read in the book of, uh, I, I believe we read it in the book of Ecclesiasticus, but it could be in Tobit. He says that the Lord, the Lord's eyes are brighter than ten thousand suns, and so we know that God sees. God's sight penetrates to dark corners that we do not even know exist in ourselves. And so to excite penitence and humidity and the ability to understand and see those places within our souls is a great grace of God and something to be sought. This is the way that the monks seek it. I don't know that I would recommend it for laity, especially uh People like, I I, I would find it very hard being a melancholic and probably drive me into despair. But if you're strong enough, as an ascetical practice, it is something that's out there. Now, having said all of that, which is a complete non sequitur, uh, I'd like us to go ahead and put ourselves in the presence of God, get your rosaries. If you don't have one, procure one. They're really not hard to find. You can get them on Etsy or you can walk into any Catholic church and they'll have them there. Just ask for one. Or ask me. I'll send one to you. And we'll get our rosaries out and put ourselves in the presence of God to pray the second joyful mystery. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who by the Holy Ghost was conceived, was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The second joyful mystery is the Visitation with Elizabeth. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping from this vale of tears. Turn then, O gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy unto us, and after this our exile, shew unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Pray for us, most holy Mother of God, That we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. O God, who didst deign to send Thy only begotten Son, who by His life, death, and resurrection did purchase for us the rewards of eternal life, look with favor on us, that meditating on the sacred mysteries of the most holy rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we may imitate what they contain and obtain what they promise. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Saint Mary and Saint Martha, Patrons of Bethany, patron of work, patron of contemplation, you who suffered here on earth at the death of thy brother St. Lazarus, who was raised by our Lord, we humbly beg thy joint intercession before the throne of our Lord on behalf of the servant of God Gregory, who now suffers in bereavement and with the worldly aftermath of death of loved ones let god and our lord jesus christ strengthen him to undergo this cross with the patience the humility and the strength of will that accompanied the passion and death of our lord which thou o mary magdalene didst witness from beginning To end even unto the resurrection and grant by thy prayers that Gregory may with joy behold the Lord as thou didst St. Mary as he could and that he may continue to work fruitfully for the Lord and for all good things as thou didst St. Martha and we ask this in the name of our Lord and God Jesus Christ who livest and reignest with God the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. For all of us, with our crosses and our sorrows and our troubles, Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God cast into hell Satan, and all evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, thy kingdom come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. One of the hallmarks of our religion, and it really doesn't even need me to say it, is humility. Christ was humbled by even being here and that's one of the things that I think should stand at the foremost of our mind is that when God descends from heaven and we actually we just read about this actually if you've been following um, the uh, uh, I forget whether it was um, Dom Geringer uh, or it was it was one of the, the holy holy things for everyday uh, things they talk about the ascension uh, of our Lord. Uh, and bishop sheen has a talk on this as well so we should imagine the ascension of our lord is not him firing off into heaven like a rocket but we should understand that he ascends to a higher plane and therefore the apostles lose sight of him in the east there's an understanding that this is how eden disappeared is that it because of our fallen state we have lost sight of that holy place and it has because it is so exalted, and we are so corrupted, uh, we cannot see it anymore. Uh, it's not a it's it's not necessarily in heaven. It's still part of creation, but it's beyond our reach and our vision. Uh, that's a I don't know that I actually don't know the stat the status of that line of thinking in the Catholic Church, but that's the belief in the East at least. Uh, they have, they're, they're a little bit more articulate about these, these uh, I, I guess, esoteric matters uh, in the way that you find very, you know, dogma is so well spelled, spelled out in the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, if you go and you float in orthodox circles, you find that they're very, very ambiguous about really big things and they're very, very clear about very small things and I've always found that somewhat amusing. Uh, anyway, it's, it's a reflection on on a different uh, kind of theology. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. The important thing is that when we imagine uh, God coming to earth, becoming man, when he descends from heaven, he doesn't descend from heaven, float down from the sky from the clouds, and then come to rest on this little baby and dwell in him. He's there from the conception, from the beginning. He humbles himself to human flesh. And that humility is essential to everything that makes a Christian a Christian. And our Lord regularly humbles his disciples. we just talked about the road to Emmaus. We, called them, we practically called them a pair of blockheads and told them, you, you, haven't, you haven't paid attention to anything I've said at all. And he does the same thing to St. Peter on multiple occasions and to the other disciples. He's constantly knocking their heads together in order to get them to think correctly. And uh, it's he chose these men among the unlettered of the Hebrews. They're fishermen from Galilee. You know, you, I mean, they're in in terms of of, uh, of culture and civilization, and learning. Uh, there's someone, there's somewhat somewhere two rung, steps down the rung from a plumber from New York. Now, it's not to say anything against the trades, but I don't think that there's any plumbers from New York that would pretend to be scholars either. You know, especially especially theologians or scholars of the law. Now, that's who Christ chose: humble men. The church had humble beginnings. And actually, the humble beginnings go back to before the apostles were even called. And it's our Blessed Mother, as usual, who sets the first example of this humility. We see it in the Annunciation because we know what Mary's life was like at the time of the Annunciation. We, uh, hold, Mary was uh, consecrated in the temple. As a, as a little girl and served in the temple until her, I believe, her 12th year and then came home to live with her parents or at least with her mother. We don't know when St. Joachim uh, died. Joachim or Joachim or Joachim or Joachim depending on the language that you use. We're not sure when he died. He's rather like St. Joseph in that way. He sort of just disappears. Um, And in fact, we only even know his name because of uh, some uh, apocryphal texts that have told us who he is. The same thing is true of St. Anne. But we know that St. Anne was still alive at the time that our Blessed Mother was betrothed to St. Joseph. So she goes home to live with her widowed mother at the age of 12. And she is hidden and in prayer. We are universally told that when the Archangel Gabriel appears unto her, she is at prayer. And she's not the only one who manifests this humility. She doesn't go looking to become the mother of God, she just wants to be pleasing to God. And in her situation, to be pleasing to God really is to be invisible to man and that's what she is she is invisible to humanity and makes herself that way it's our lord telling people you go into your when ye pray go into your chamber and close the door be not as the hypocrites do who like who choose the preferred places in the synagogue and stand on the street corners they already have their reward that's what it means to be humble not to seek your own reward and so our lady Gives us a manifestation of this in her humility. And she's not alone. Saint Elizabeth does too. And that's the point of the visitation. The visitation is the reward that is given. And it is manifest in what our Blessed Mother says in the Magnificat. Saint Elizabeth finds out that she is to bear a son. And she's in an extreme old age. So it is miraculous. And she what does she do? Does she tell everyone that she's gonna have a baby and how wonderful God is and how blessed she is? You know, get that does she hang a hang a sign in her living room that says Blessed on it in cursive writing from Hobby Lobby? No, no. She she goes into hiding. She disappears for six months. And let the rumors abound, and they could have gone in a number of different directions, but she just disappears for six months. And when she and and she's silent Now, don't forget her husband was struck with dumbness because he doubted the word of the Lord and so he was struck dumb and Elizabeth was voluntarily dumb she was voluntarily silent and this is an act of humility she has a great miracle that's happened to her and she knows too not only a child but a son what an amazing miracle Zacharias is silenced so he can't tell anybody, and Elizabeth chooses not to. She takes her miracle and she dwells with it, and holds it in her heart, as we're told that the Blessed Mother did with all the things that were said to her about our Lord. And as our Lord and of course the first thing that our Lord does is relieve that baby in Saint Elizabeth's womb of sin. That's why Saint John leaps for joy at the sound of the voice of the Blessed Mother. He leaps for joy in the womb. He's relieved of sin. sin, His his original sin is washed away by our Lord to prepare him for his worldly task to prepare the way of the Lord. And, And this is, and Elizabeth then too has grace poured upon her and her mouth opened up to show forth praises to the Lord. And so does our, and of course our Blessed Mother who is full of grace does as well. And this is, a, this is the first time that you see this thing that our Lord tells to those whom he heals. Remember the ten lepers? Tell no one, but go and show yourselves to the priests. That's what Jesus says to them. And he says this to everyone he heals. Tell no one who has done this for you, but rather go and give praise to God. That's what, that's what he says. Elizabeth doesn't need to be told. She goes and gives praise to the Lord in silence and quiet. And so that's a lesson for all of us as well. Do you broadcast all the blessings that God has bestowed upon you? Or do you hold them in your heart? They're not the talents. That's what you can do for God. That's the doctrine of works. But the blessings that God has given you, are they to be broadcast? Uh, The reason why our Lord tells us not to broadcast them is because they reflect upon us. It's an opportunity for us, and perhaps even a near occasion of sin in some cases, to go forth and tell the world how blessed you are and how wonderful things have been for you. It also means that you value the things that you are rewarded with here on earth perhaps more than the rewards you may receive in the hereafter that's worldliness that's already having your reward but rather we hold these things in our hearts we go and do the work of God we give glory to God through our lives and we confess God with our lips but in terms of the glory of God in our lives and what he does for us we hold these things in our heart contemplate on them, reflect on them gain graces from them it's like, it's like uh, Nikolai Velomirovich, who is the, uh, a very modern uh, Orthodox writer, has something like this to say. He talks about the grapes of our salvation. We do these works, we do good things for God, we live good holy lives, and we have these grapes. Now we can pluck those grapes and be satisfied with ourselves and eat the fruit of our labors, because it is fruit of our labors. Or we can take that those graces and those works and offer them entirely to God within our hearts offer them up both our suffering and our joys offer them up to Jesus and then we are not consuming the grapes but we are giving them to God to press into the wine of our salvation and then we will take the how shall I repay the Lord for all he hath given me I shall take the cup of salvation Isn't that the psalm? It's in the Mass. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will take the chalice of salvation. And that's what we are called to do. To call upon the name of the Lord. To take the chalice of salvation. To let our blessings glorify the Lord in our gratitude. And not to glorify us. Look at how lucky I am. To draw attention away from ourselves and towards the Lord and not to boast with false humility either these are all things that are the essential building blocks of the most basic faith that we see manifest in our Blessed Mother and and in St. Elizabeth my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior for he that is mighty hath magnified me He has shown the strength of his arm he has put down the mighty from their seat and the rich he ha- he hath sent empty away this is what our ble- this is what the Blessed Mother says about God in the Magnificat and that's the manifestation of this humility that hides ourselves away to give back to God those blessings that he has given us and then in turn to go forth and to do the work of God in the presence of everyone after we have been in our chamber and prepared ourselves or in fasting or hidden ourselves, to show ourselves to the priests. And so my prayer is that all of us will do exactly that. We will, we will take all of our blessings and give them back to God as offerings that he might press them into the wine of salvation for all of us that we might show forth his glory and manifest in our works and in our Christian living and that we may therefore taste not only of the sweetness of blessings in this life but the blessedness of the next in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost Amen.
0: The moon is the symbol of Our Lady. The moon is for those in darkness. And I think in a special way for sinners. So that if we but look to her, who is the moon, and derives all light from the sun... They would never fall into an abyss. Now this is the Rosary.